You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with Rotoscopers, episode 73, Ice Age, Scratology 101. Amazon.com. Amazon is the world's leading provider of basically everything. Books, DVDs, movies. If you want it, they got it. Uh, even all four of the Ice Age sequels and soon to be fifth. So pre-order it on Amazon.com. And by shopping at Amazon.com, you actually support the show. Every little bit helps and we actually get a little kickback whenever you guys use our affiliate link and it really helps support the show. We just bought new microphones, so our sound quality is incredible and we did it all with your Amazon purchases. So thank you so much and keep shopping at rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Dom Bluth, Blue Sky, and everything in between. My name is Chelsea. We are here with Morgan and Mason, my humble and lovable companions in crime. And we are here talking about animated movies. So I'm a humble companion in crime, huh? (laughs) Yeah, we're the humblest. Yeah, we're like the most humble, awesome people ever. Like, it's so awesome that we're humble. Nobody is as humble as we are. Ever. No. We're the best. Honestly, I don't think that you could get any humbler or better than us. So, you know, we'll just go with that. We are, for, if you are new to this show, (laughs) um, basically what we do, we're just three friends. We get together every other week. We discuss an animated movie from the past or present. And this week we are going to be talking about... Ice Age. And really this, yeah, we're doing series right now. We haven't always done this, but we started out, we were doing dog series. And then uh, now we're now we in the Dinos and Dragons series. And so this one, we did a an online, basically vote. And this one got number three in the list. So we're behind dinosaur be... and land before time. I know. <laughs> well, okay, no. Technically, it was fourth, even because our top one was Sleeping Beauty, but we're going to be saving that one to the end because that's going to happen around my birthday. And it's probably my favorite Disney movie ever. So, yay. Oh, great. But yeah, we're going to be doing Ice Age today. So, do you realize this precedent you've set, Mason? It's your yeah. birthday, birthday so, so you get, but here's the thing. I get the short end <laughs> of the stick because you get an awesome episode. Chelsea gets an awesome episode. And then here I am in December and we don't have time. Because oh, we have that's to, right. You're the... We have to put a Christmas episode or and or the best of 2014. So it's like, okay. I don't even get a pick. Sorry, Morgan. Not everyone hates Christmas as much as you do. It's oh, true. <laughs> Just kidding. Christmas is basically the best. Yeah, I forgot. You were the one who had the, uh, the unfortunate one who had the birthday in December. Gosh, that's got to be hard. No, it's actually okay. Okay. My parents just, I well, basically anyway. made a list and whatever I put, I got it basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. As long as you're on the nice list, right? Mm-hmm. Always. Let's get into this. Ice Age. 
And now the story of a herd of misfits who lost everything and the one mammoth who had no choice but to keep them together. But seriously, though, I love Ice Age. It's such a sweet, feel-good film. This is one of my favorites. Actually, I think this is one of my mom's favorites. Uh, also, and our, our whole family really likes this film. I don't know why. Hey, it's a good one. I think it's okay. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Sour grape already. <laughs> okay, so a little bit of trivia. We're going to do a little history before we actually get into it because I said so. Ice Age was the eighth full, uh, fully uh, CGI animated feature uh, from Hollywood, at least, you know, from America. So uh, can anyone name the first seven? Okay, I think I can. No cheating. In order. Uh, okay. Well, they don't have to be in order, but you have to be pretty close. All right, Toy Story, obviously. Then Ants, then A Bug's Life. Then we have Toy Story 2. Then we have Shrek. Mm -hmm. And then we have Monsters University. And I can't think of the seventh one. I've been like sitting here trying to Uh, figure this out. Monsters University? No, Monsters Incorporated, sorry. There we go. All the the fanboys were like, leaning on their keyboards already to reply to us. Because at this point, there was only two studios. Um, Oh, and Dinosaur, right? No, that didn't came out. Yeah, 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 it did. Was that fully CGI, though? No. According to Wikipedia, it's not. So that's what I'm going on. Dang it. Okay. Well. Um. Well, basically, uh, no, 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 dinosaur. Were... Dinosaur was. So that so that makes no. seven. Nah. What's the official list? What am I missing? Okay. According to Wikipedia, it was Toy Story, Ants, A Bug's Life, A Toy Story Two, Shrek, uh, Monsters Incorporated. It also cites Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Was that a movie? That was that far ago. Whoa. That Two thousand and one. Wow. I would have thought that yeah. was 2005. I never would have, never would have guessed that. I wow. say we don't count it and we switch Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius for Disney's Dinosaur. <laughs> I think that will please our listeners but a little bit more. it's not fully CGI animated. Okay, okay. But. So it, it, no matter how you slice it, Ice Age does come out as the eighth, unless you count Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, which was uh, Columbia and Square Enix, back then known as Square, I guess. But I don't want to count that either. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's about the eighth. Prepare for the Ice Age! The temperature's heading down. Freezing my tail off. Well, how do we know it's an Ice Age? Because of all the ice! And the whole world's heading south. Get off me! Except four misfits going the other way. I'm not going. Who are about to discover... Something that brings them together. We should return him. If you're looking for the humans, you're never going to reach them before the pass closes up with snow. Now they're looking out for the kid. From now on, refer to me as Lord of the Flame. Hey, Lord of the Flame. Your tail's on fire. And everyone else better look out for them. I actually thought you were going to eat me. I don't eat junk food. Wow! Captain Iceberg ahead! This I gotta say. Have fight! I'm gonna die. Manny! <laughs> Where's the baby? There he is! Ice Age. The first thing that I noticed when I put it in, I was just like, huh. We've come a long way. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So this is Blue Sky Studios. This was their first uh, full-length, you know, endeavor in CG animation. Uh, a little history because I think we've done Blue Sky films, but I don't think we've really talked about the studio. And it's worth mentioning because uh, for a Actually, while it was we... just 
I actually don't think we've done any Blue Sky. We've like, The fans have gotten mad at us because we haven't done this studio justice, which is really sad. Oh, man, it is sad. Sorry, Blue Sky. Well, We're fans, here now. We love you. Yeah, sorry, fans. Sorry, Blue Sky. So, yeah, founded in 1987, uh, doing the visual effects for Tron. And uh, um, it started out as a VFX studio for, like, TV spots. They do, like, Eminem's commercials, and they did, like, a Nicktoons intro. Uh, later, they did uh, VFX for live-action films for Fox. Uh, yeah, and, and, and during this time, it got acquired by Fox. You know, early 90s, the uh, special effects market started to crash, and Fox considered selling Blue Sky like it did Rhythm and Hughes until uh, Blue Sky picked up the script for Ice Age and turned it into a family comedy. And it was such a success um, that Blue Sky was thereafter established uh, as as the third studio after Pixar and DreamWorks to launch a successful CG animation franchise, and that is Ice Age. And uh, I think there, are, I think there are four Ice Age films now. Unfortunately, yeah. So unfortunately, but they keep making them, so they got to have some success. I don't know. Maybe there's a foreign market we're not even thinking of. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is like the 10 second version of the crash course of the history of Blue Sky Studios. But but there it is. It's hard to believe that like. For a while, it was just Pixar and then DreamWorks and then and then uh, Ice Age from from Blue Sky. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there was Disney like they were doing all 3D movies, but you kind of overlook Blue Sky as this like really long standing animation studio. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me a lot of real effects in Dallas who did Freebirds and they're about to do Book of Life. They started out and they, they still do the effects for for commercials and then for, for TV spots and, and films and stuff. And like uh, like a lot of studios start mm-hmm. out just doing commercials. Be, and it's kind of like Richard Williams. I mean, he made a lot of his money, oh, yeah. you know, to fund his projects through commercials. And they always had to go back to the commercial arm to like get the money to make The Thief and the Cobbler. But I think it's really interesting. There's a lot of parallels between um, Blue Sky's first film and Real Effects's first film. Because if you look at the quality of them compared to, you know, other uh, other animated films at the time, like it, it, yeah. if you look at Monsters in Corp, well, it just doesn't hold up. I mean, at the same time that this was released, it was Monsters University, and they were making huge developments in, in fur. And, and if you just look at the films, you, they don't even look like they're from the same era. And the same thing if you were to compare uh, Freebirds to anything released in 2013. But I don't think we should criticize it for that. I think we should actually praise it because it is a smaller studio doing the best they can to tell a story that's really good just to break into the market. And then we see Mm -hmm. that their second and their third films definitely pick up in quality because they were able to prove themselves and get a bigger budget. So I really like Blue Sky Studios. Some things that I've noticed for them, everything, and I made a video about this when it, when they were getting ready to do the Rio 2, and just how everything that they ever do is like nowadays, especially, you know, after, as Morgan was talking about, they, they weren't totally funded enough to be able to really put as much money into the animation at this time. But as things went on and got better for them, Man, do they put out some quality, quality animation. Just, I mean, Epic was beautiful. Every little thing that you looked at, it was just the trees and the colors were just amazing. And then once again in Rio and Rio 2, like they're just really, really stellar job of getting all of these just, it's just very aesthetically pleasing. And I give them many kudos for that. Wow, many kudos. Many kudos. I like 
I like going to see their stuff now. I mean, it, for me, I always come out thinking that was really pretty. If I mean, but was it really I want good? to, I'm like, I would like to say it was really, really good, but not always has that happened. But it's, it's almost always like, almost always I've come out thinking that was really well animated. See, and it's really sad with Blue Sky Studios because they have some unique original pieces. Uh, Rio was, mm-hmm. was cool. Epic was neat. Uh, and then Ice Age. But then I feel like they get stuck in this trap where they have to do sequels because the sequels are more successful mm-hmm. than their original stuff. And it's just a shame to see Ice Age 5, like that. that is actually a thing. Um, when, when I look at their original films like Epic... Uh, which obviously it's based on a book, but it's it's original in the fact that it's not a sequel. I I just it makes me sad that we're not getting what we could from them. Like Peanuts, I'm interested in Peanuts. I'm glad that they were the studio to get the rights, opposed to DreamWorks. But nonetheless, I mean, we know where Peanuts is going to go for the most part because it's such an iconic series. Um, but yeah, it really does make me a bit sad. I really hope they have a lot more original features in their pipeline because I'm just such a fan of what they do. So this was distributed or it was produced by Fox Animation. So 20th Century Fox, all that. Um, its last animated film was Titan AE uh, back in 2000. That was, that was about two years previous to Ice Age. And, uh, you know, speaking of Titan AE, you know, Don Bluth, there was a little bit of Don Bluth drama with this film. <laughs> Isn't there always? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I mean, no offense to him. Allegedly, there's about three scenarios we're going to go over here. Uh, allegedly, uh, Don Bluth and Gary Goldman were supposed to direct it, uh, but after uh, the the failure, that's hashtag debatable, of Titan AE, <laughs> so after that, the project got moved to Blue Sky uh, under the uh, directorship of Chris Wedge, who was one of the founders of Blue Sky. So there's another side of the story where Don Bluth supposedly refused to direct a fully 3D CG animated film. That sounds like him. I can believe that. It, the thing is, it does sound like him, and it makes me so sad because really Titan AE like put the nail in the coffin to his career he was not able to come back Um, and this could have maybe just lengthened it a little bit to there to where he would be able to recover and then maybe go back to 2D films but really because he said no to this I mean the films would not be what it is today obviously but because he said no um, his career basically ended which is really sad because like I'm very nostalgic and I'm always like man what if we had more Don Bluth? Like, I always go back to this. I'm like, darn you, Titan AE. But yeah, that's that's actually pretty interesting. It was funny. This uh, Dinos and Dragons, um, I was about to say Dungeons and Dragons. Anyway, this Dinos and Dragons series is ba- should just be called the Don Bluth series. Because <laughs> every episode... The Don Bluth just... drama series. <laughs> I know. Everything we've been talking about revolves around him. Yeah. There should be a theory where everything really revolves around Don Bluth. What were what if we're all just in Don Bluth's mind? Jeez. <laughs> oh, anyway, there's a third scenario where uh, apparently Don Bluth and Gary Goldman wanted to make the film a a darker drama. Figures, I mean, never heard that before. But uh, 20th Century Fox insisted that it be a children's comedy, and so it went over to Blue Sky. So uh, no matter how you slice it, there was some Don Bluth drama going on with production of Ice Age. And, he, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to, to speculate on what might have been, you know, a 2D uh, hand-drawn uh, drama about uh, 
<laughs> about a, uh, a herd of, of misfit dinosaur, dinosaur mammals. Proto <laughs> an- pro- proto mammals. <laughs> anyway, so I, I spoke early about its success in the box office. I think opening weekend they originally thought it was going to make it. They originally projected it would make like thirty million. I think it, it came out with forty six million um, opening day or opening weekend, something like that. So it did defy expectations. It got nominated for best animated feature, feature at the Academy Awards. It lost to Spirited Away, which you know justified. Absolutely. I would go as far as to say it's an animated classic as far as 3D goes. I mean, it was kind of an anomaly. It was. It was like this. It was. It was a hit. And think of all these other like furry critters uh, movies that have come out, like Over the Hedge, um, The Nut Job, um, you know, Hoodwinked, you know, um, you know, (laughs) other ones. Furry critters movies. You know what I'm talking about. The ones you see at Redbox. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't this one end up like those? You know. Because it's better. Yeah, because yeah, it was quality. Yeah, it was quality. So we included this in our Dinos and Dragons series. And I didn't even really consider that this actually isn't a dino movie in any way, shape, or form. It's more of a prehistoric film, which both of those fall into. Yeah. But really, I mean, I'm sure people were looking at this poll thinking, there's no dinosaurs in Ice Age. But, I mean, they're literally there set is. millions of years apart. <laughs> There is one dinosaur. There's the Tyrannosaurus that's encased in the ice uh, when they're walking around the ice oh, cavern. You it saved counts. us. <sighs> it saved us. It counts. Oh, I basically saved the podcast. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Once again, it's up to me to rescue the performance. Gypsy, come. Stage is the other way, dear. Yeah, so it, it is a prehistoric film. We're dealing with proto-mammals and uh, you know, dealing with some Paleozoic stuff. Uh, but yeah, there is one T-Rex. And then uh, eventually there was one sequel that spawned a bunch of dinosaurs, right? Was there? Yeah, Ice Age. Dawn, Dawn of the Dinos? Dawn, Age of the Dinosaurs? Yes. I, I tried to not pay attention to these sequels. Just because I really didn't enjoy the first one that much that I never felt inclined to see them in theaters. So I... Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm an embarrassment to any animation fan I know. So yeah, like I, I only saw this movie once in theaters and never saw the appeal to really see it again or watch it on TV when it was playing. Um, and so this was actually the second time that I've seen Ice Age and I liked it, but not enough to like a lot of people really love this movie and it's a big deal to them and kind of like, you know, Lamb Before Time was to me. Um, but I don't think I really gave this enough uh, re-watchings early on to make it like have a special place in my heart. Well, that makes sense. Well, this is about the 132nd time I've I've seen this film. Uh it was definitely okay. a big deal in my house. We we did get into the sequels a little bit. Um we really liked Ice Age 2. I thought it was good, except for Queen Latifah. I will forever be anti Queen Latifah. I never saw the others. But in, in the second film there were these two um oh what are they? They're like lemurs. They're like little lemur brothers. They're, no, they're possums. They're possums. Yeah. There's, there's two twin okay. brothers that are possums that have that have raised the Queen Latifah character um, as their own. We've never seen a plotline like that before. Yeah, An animal so... of one species raise another animal of another species. <laughs> Somewhere some possums calling for you. Two worlds, one family. Trust your possum. Anyway, um... Yeah, so they were brilliant. They were hilarious. Oh, they were great. Loved you them. You know, 
it's kind of the same. I kind of have a little bit of the same feelings as this is Morgan, but probably a little bit more toward the positive side than she had because I did end up hmm. seeing the second one. But at the same time, like I can barely remember the like a lot of the plots and things or even moments. I remember seeing the first one and thinking, oh, that was funny. And oh, that was a really that was a sweet moment, you know, of when when we finally find out the whole um, Manny's whole backstory and everything. And like you just oh, that was nice. But I didn't remember any of the extra jokes. I didn't. As I'm watching it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is funny. Oh, scrot, huh, funny. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm kind of like a tad more toward the positive, probably, but still not quite in love. You know, one thing that they've kept consistent throughout all the films is scrat. Uh, we start with scrat and we end with scrat. We always mean, do, doesn't Which he? means we have less plot to work with in the actual film. <laughs> he's, he's such an alpha and omega in this in this series it's so weird how like omnipresent he is i feel a conspiracy coming along we need music for mason conspiracy theory anytime something happens like (laughs) i'm on it x-files theme song maybe no something unique something mason um the the theme the little music the the lost uh theme song you know where the logo comes up (laughs) (laughs) or the credits pretty good anyway so a little Scratology 101 from Mason here. I thought he was perfect in the first film. Like, it's so easy to get him. In fact, I think the idea for Scrat was pitched by um, uh, the director's daughter or something like that. Just the wow. idea of this pathetic half squirrel, half rat that just wants his nut and he will never get it. Spoiler alert. Sorry, folks. And um, <laughs> it was, it was an, well, you, you understood him. Like, kids understood yeah. him uh, down, down to the little kids. And it was a very effective way to control the pacing of the film because you're dealing with some ups and downs. And then to kind of break it apart, they they have these interludes with uh, with Scrat that are just they're just really funny. He's like he's like their weird like, I don't know, he's like the fifth member of their herd, but they just never really notice him. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a part in the series? And I'm, I'm just speculating or asking our listeners, is there ever a part in our series where he's actually a character where he actually like does something? What if in the last movie they're all in danger of like getting blown up or like sucked into lava and Scratch just rescues them and he's like finally talks, you know? <laughs> and that's why you don't fall into lava. <laughs> I don't know. No. All he's going to say is, I love you. Hashtag I, Sean Connery. I, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and he, with Sean Connery's voice. Right. Yeah. So in, in this first film, he really turned into like an instant favorite and he pretty much ran away with the whole film. He really did. I do remember then, him probably the most. Yeah, and then they just kept using him. You know, every movie has him. Every preview has him. In fact, there, there are some that are just teaser trailers with Scrat, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, he never did any new gags, I, as far as I can tell. I don't know. It got old. And uh, I, I lost respect for him. It was an overdone gag. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You can't beat pigs with pigs. And this is what they're doing. Do you remember but that? Can you, can yes, you beat my... Can you beat mass migration with mass migration? Oh my gosh, enough with the migrations. I mean, can we get Mother Gothel in here? Enough with the migrations. It's like every prehistoric dino movie is centered around... Yeah, you do a really mig- good Mother Gothel <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to do female Disney characters on the YouTube channel. Get ready. All right. All but only after you do yours. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, so migrations all over the place. 
the, the second movie starts with a migration. Like that's all these. That's at all least, these animals do is they just wander around. They've nomads. At least, at least in this one, it does say like um, Sid does kind of bring that up. He's like, you know, the whole like desire to go toward the you know warmer leather kind of getting in you. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm not like that. So I guess I like that that they actually like explained it, even though you really don't need to have explained. But still, why? Well, here's a, here's a difference. This this one has humans. And it's a prehistoric migration film. Yeah, the humans are actually an interesting touch because you think dinosaurs, and that's way prehistoric. Um, but this is actually a time when humans were actually around. And so I think if I, I, I find it interesting because the human designs are very rudimentary. It's sort of like uh, ten, oh, yeah. almost 10 years prior, well, seven years earlier with Toy Story, where the humans were, you know, kind of like robotish. They didn't move too much, didn't move, do a lot. And I felt like the humans were the exact same in this film. Obviously, they weren't the stars. The the, the budget didn't go there, um, except for the baby. The baby had a lot more life and, uh, you know, qualities to him than the humans and the adults. But I just thought it was interesting. As I was looking, I was like, oh, man, we have gone back in time for sure. Yeah, very, very dated. Like, I've seen stuff on Turbo Squid that looks better. Yeah, it, it is very rudimentary. And, I, and we are dealing with Neanderthals. I, you know, I think... They're not meant to be human humans. I, I don't. I don't get the link between Neanderthals and, and Homo sapiens. But, um, but yeah, I think the the fact that they are Neanderthals kind of benefits the fact that the technology wasn't as good back in those days, or maybe it was a stylistic choice because you know, it, it it's not like they were going for realistic rendering with these creatures. Right. It is interesting though. Yeah, the humans. So right off the bat, we're introduced to Manfred, the woolly mammoth, who uh, is literally going against the crowd uh, as they're doing this mass migration. I, I we, we definitely know who he is right off the bat, his first line. If my trunk were that small, I wouldn't draw attention to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love. It'll be better his when character. you're gone. Ray Romano. Wasn't Ray Romano just the perfect so choice for me? Yeah. Ray Romano. The humans. Yeah. Who's who's going to be tracking the humans? Yeah. I love Ray. He's great. It's just funny cuz you could definitely tell like who were the big names when this movie was coming out. Like every every movie has a period of like 5 years where there was someone really big at the time and It's true. And this movie yeah, you're was right. definitely early 2000s because you would not put Ray Romano in a movie now unless he was a part of the sequels, which he is. That's why he still has work in these films. Yeah. But- well, well the um his brother in in uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, you know the one that says Everybody Loves Raymond. He was in uh, he was in Bugs Life, wasn't he? Wasn't he Timmy, the big stag beetle, or the big rhino beetle? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that him. was around that was around this time. I don't know. They and all then, had uh, work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they all had work, and they had plenty of it. This was their high time. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go right up front and say this right here that Sid is my favorite character. I will also go right up front and confess that I do not know how to pronounce the name of the actor that portrays him. So forgive me, John Leguizamo. <laughs> Leguizamo, John L. John. L. It could be. Uh, I think it's Leguizamo. It could be Leguizamo or Leguizamo. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it's yeah. It sounds Italian, so Leguizamo. Or Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> where where can we put the accent over the e where? over the u over the i this is where english falls short why don't we have this is where i fall back to my works. spanish skills yeah leguizamo Le- leguizamo is, 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 is Le- anyway <laughs> leguizmo anyway 
uh, he is flawless, and I love his performance in this film. I think Sid the Sloth is like the best character. Doesn't anyone care? Doesn't anyone care about Sid the Sloth? <laughs> also, there's some surprise voice talent that I didn't realize was in this film until recently. Jack Black? I mean, hello. I never would have known that. I never no. would have known. He is, um, he is the little uh, dopey saber tooth in, in the saber herd, you <laughs> nice. know? Yeah. I never realized this until recently that it was Jack Black. Yeah, he says, come back with the baby or don't come back at all. <laughs> and then there's uh, Diedrich Bader, Rex Kondo, as the uh, the arrogant saber tooth. I won't say his name because we're going to get into that in a second. Um, uh, Cedric the Entertainer, he does a lot of animated films. Mm-hmm. He was in Madagascar, wasn't he? He I plays so. Carl. Carl, he ruined our salad. <laughs> and then uh, Jane Krakowski, uh, who's my personal favorite actress uh, from 30 Rock on camera. Uh my gosh, she's amazing. Jenna Maroney. But Jane Krasowski is one of the female sloths. You know, when uh, when Sid kind of has a run-in and uses the baby as bait. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> oh, all the all the sensitive ones are always eaten or it's something not like that. Of, not much to look at, but it's so hard to find a family, man. You're right. All the sensitive ones get eaten. <laughs> so true. <laughs> As I was listening to this or watching the movie, from the very beginning, I noticed the score. The score was very distinctive to me, but not because it was anything new, just because I know these beats. You know, composers have their mm. own little, you know, instruments that they like or certain musical cues that they like to play up multiple times. And immediately I'm thinking, this is Anastasia. And I'm like, no, no, it's like Jingle All the Way. Come to find out, the composer David Newman did both of those movies. Um, he has a very, I, I couldn't even explain it to you, but he has a very distinctive sound. Um, just think Anastasia, that score. Um, and I liked it. I, I think I like it better in Anastasia. Um, that score very much stands out to me, but I definitely noticed this score more than I normally would have. There was also a song in the, uh, the road trip sequence, you know, the montage. Mm-hmm. There's this one song that was like really fun. I wish they had played, I, th- I wish they would have played it more on the radio. That's I remember all that wish. song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was like it was like Shrek had the same thing, you know. When there's a montage of them, uh, you know, the, traveling the through Matilda the, the kingdom, music? there's like this. There is. Is this the, the that Matilda song that do 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 do? No. Yeah, I think it was. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't that know one. I don't know what song that is, but I call it the that Matilda. That was for song. Matilda. Of course, I never saw Matilda. <gasps> oh, <gasps> repent. Sorry. Oh. I don't believe in magic. Sad day. I'm just kidding. You've never seen Harry Potter, which is a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Checkmate. Anyway, um, yeah. So I never saw Matilda, but yeah, it's it's that song that you were citing. Yeah. So um, as I was talking about composers with very distinctive styles, do you think that's a bad thing for a composer to have such a distinct, recognizable style and sound? You know, I really don't think so. Um, I guess it's just like any song that you would hear on the radio. Like when you hear somebody's voice and you're like, oh, that's Kelly Clarkson or, oh, that's Carrie Underwood or, oh, that's, you know, Bon Jovi. Like you just know who they are and that's kind of more brand recognition for themselves. So I honestly don't think it is, but it could also get into kind of like don't do the same thing over and over and over again. So there's two sides to that coin, I think. Yeah, I've actually been on a really big James Horner kick. 
because of the Land Before Time episode. And awesome. so, like, I've, oh, yeah. I've been listening to, like, Titanic, Mask of Zorro, and all these, like, amazing songs and themes. And, like, his, you can kind of see, you can kind of feel the same movement a little bit. But at the same time, it's just each one of them are very, they're just very different, too. So he adds a little bit more of a Celtic in some things. But anyway, I like it. I think of, uh, I don't know, Hans Zimmer is like extremely popular now. And he has like a, he has a distinctive like style, but he still pulls off a lot of, yeah. I don't know. I think he pulls out a lot of variety, but at the same time, he does have a, I wouldn't say a formula, but he has like a trademark or like signature style, you know? Yeah, it is kind of a formula. I mean, it's not going to be the same thing every time, but it's just kind of how their mind works, I would say. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I never, you know, these people are musicians, they're artists, so it's okay for them to have a have a, a style, you know, just like any other musician or, or whatever has a style. Yeah, totally. So talking about the Jack Black Sabretooth, um, there's always a mangy like member of the pack you oh, know what i mean real. there always is he's like half grown or like really just he's, like he's the ed yes the ed or um i think he had a lion king too wasn't like one of the the brothers or one of the scars relatives oh, yeah. kind of like that there's always one that just like maybe was malnourished or is just kind of weird <laughs> he's like the brother-in-law yeah. that even scar didn't like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we I got one here i totally agree I just like how the head honcho saber is like totally obsessed with eating that baby. Could, what did the baby do to him? But but why couldn't they get more meat from just killing like, a person? Here you go. Bring me that baby alive. He's like revenge. Well, he wants revenge on the humans. Yeah. Apparently, there's been some some deaths of some deaths saber cubs in the family. Well, I would oh, assume, oh. yeah, that they probably killed their cubs or something. Hey, Neanderthals got to eat. Hey. We all gotta yeah, so feed our young. So there's a war going on between sabers and man, and Diego is just the assassin for the job. So then we bring uh, Diego into the mix. Of course, you know Sid, you know, uh, by chance uh, hooks up with Manny after Manny, you know, shows his protective, you know, side, his his longing for justice. You know, I don't like animals that kill for pleasure. Save it for a mammal that cares. I'm a mammal that cares. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um hey aren't you herbivores an excellent point uh <laughs> so they all kind of get together and this is what i like about the film um you've got this these misfits you've got um you know manny who just wants to be left alone sid who just wants not to die diego who just wants to please his boss and the baby who just needs to survive and everyone kind of needs this baby for different reasons but but not really and they all hate each other at the beginning and that's, I mean, it makes for some awesome comedy for one, because because Diego's like super sarcastic, and Sid's like totally pathetic, and Manny is just rolls his eyes at everyone, you know. They you get this really awesome dialogue, this awesome banter and like comedy, and kind of situation comedy with what's going on, and um, but the best part is this dynamic relationship that they have and how all the characters change by the end, but not before they have like some crazy antics that bring them closer together. Aww. Aww. I just love how no one respects Sid. <laughs> Why would you? With my with this shtick and my highly evolved brain, I shall create fire. <laughs> <laughs> you shall call me Sid the Fire 
what is he? The fire. The fire king or something. The flame like that. king or something. No, Sid, Lord of the Flame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay, Lord of the Flames. <laughs> hey, Lord of the Flame, your tail's on fire. <laughs> Nice little Lord of the Flies reference. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Sid, Lord of the Flame. <laughs> um, I, think, I really enjoyed I the, the Dodo of... time. Oh my gosh. The, I think the Dodos were like the funniest part. Like, yeah. If you, if you watch that sequence, like every two seconds, one of them finds some way to kill itself. <laughs> Protect the Dodo way of life. <laughs> Well, if you don't have any better ideas, then doom on you. Doom, doom. on you. Doom <laughs> on you. Doom on you. <laughs> it was so good. I just remember if you fall into the geyser, you were de- you will definitely <laughs> burn and die. <laughs> well, uh, the whole time I'm looking at, I'm watching this, and all I can see is there's that one. I don't know. I, at the Phoenix Zoo, I'm pretty sure it's there, where it's there's a big sign that says it's too late to see the dodo. Basically, it's saying like we have to help oh, trying to guilt save you these into animals. Saving all the other animals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Guilt us into give them more money so they can <laughs> hold captive you? all of these sucker animals. you into money. Oh, oh yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, save the animals. Okay. Um, yeah, but all I yeah, can yeah, see I'm, is I'm that, and the... then there's the the juxtaposition of just kill them all. <laughs> oh oh my funny. gosh! I mean, isn't it obvious nature selected them for extinction? Hashtag Obviously. Jurassic Park, hashtag Ian Malcolm, hashtag. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, the Dodo sequence is great. And I love the uh, I love the dramatic scene of Sid um, managing to get the melon away from the Dodos. And then he just spikes it to the ground. <laughs> he just ruins it. <laughs> but but then you start seeing that the, that the characters care about each other because Diego's like, oh, Sid, you ruined the food for the baby. You know, mm-hmm. I love the dodos. I love, um, you know, Sid trying to impress the lady sloths with the baby. You know, he's like, no, come on, man. I need a what? A handsome guy like you. And it does this like shot of of Sid. He's just kind of like pathetic looking. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I think the coolest part is the caverns, the ice caverns, you know, pretty good rendering, you know. Mm-hmm. Ah, super fun. Happy slide. <laughs> he's like um hey i found a shortcut what do you mean shortcut i mean shorter than the other way around that would have been he's... a cool ride somewhere in in a theme park oh if they what? made like a blue sky land <laughs> they should make a they should make a fox land foxland that way you could have like a, a you could have um one whole section of the park could be springfield yes we need yeah. more you, could, you could get a rib witch at the crusty burger <laughs> um still working on that crusty voice that would be cool uh, a ride, you know, where you that, can, it, it, would it be like the down. water park? Like, I want the Diego car. No, I want it. No, I don't want to be the Sid. <laughs> I'm always the Sid. Well, maybe when you're older, you can have the, the, the Diego car. But anyway. Sid yeah. won, though. He did. But he's just not cool, even as a winner. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, uh, an ice slide is a terrific way to get your characters from point A to point B. <laughs> It's just very convenient. <laughs> hey, let's just make a mile-long slide. This this movie needs to pick up the pace. It's true. It's true. Hey, animators, who wants to do a slide sequence? All right. There's a, there's a lot of good lines. No, thanks. I choose life. Then I suggest you take the shortcut. Are you threatening me? Uh, Diego's got really good lines. In the future, I suggest you watch your back, because I'll be chewing on it. 
Yeah. Yes, Sid. Want to play tag? You're it. You're it. <laughs> oh, and that brings us to the cave paintings. Oh, see, this is the thing that I, like I said, I really liked about this movie is the how you discover that there's so much more of a backstory to Manny and the reasons why he does everything and just he's got he is fully developed. You can see why he is the way he is, and that comes right here at the cave painting when you see why he one why he hates people you know predators who kill for fun why he is just going against the herd why he's doing everything he's got a motivation for everything and i i just felt like this was the moment that paid everything off yeah it's great and why he's why he's so conflicted about the human the baby Mm -hmm. yeah totally like but, those are those are great moments when you know that and you go back and watch his reaction to the child throughout the whole thing. Like he's just like so hands off wanting to be, but then he just can't like his insides. He just his like you said, his sense for justice, sense for of like paternal being able to protect uh, is still in him. And so it's just really cool to see how they made those choices throughout the whole thing. I really loved it. Mm hmm. Yeah, and then it's such a touching scene. Like, you learn all about it. It's perfectly portrayed. Like, it's not a flashback. It's a flashback in the cave painting, you know, through through Manny's perspective. And then there's, man, it's such, it never fails to get me to tear up. The moment where Sid and, and the baby react, you know, and then, you know, Manny's going to be fine. You know, he goes on and he's he's found his new family, you know. And then Diego's the last person to leave. And he's got this tear in his eye because he's realizing what he's doing. You know, he's destroying a family that he's a part of. And uh, gosh, it just gives me goosebumps just talking about it. But I think that's probably the most powerful scene in the film and uh, and really touching. So I I think what separates this movie from the others is that it, it, it really nailed the character appeal. Like it really got you to care about these characters. So you're saying you don't care about them in the sequels or they just kind of had their moment? Yeah, interesting question there. I think um, they do expand on it a little bit in Ice Age 2, because that's the only sequel that I've seen. But other than that, I I couldn't tell you. Not not at the depth of this film. So if this movie's so good, like, people universally love Ice Age, why is there so much disdain for the sequels? Like, you're a huge fan, but you've only seen one of them. And I haven't seen yeah. any of them, other than the first. Well, it's, uh, it's how, I don't know, I think it's just how everybody feels about sequels. You know? The entire uh, movie fan community... You know, they, they tend to collectively roll their eyes at sequels mm-hmm. because uh, unless, they're, <laughs> unless yeah. they're good, because that's just a trendy thing to do. And also because people want to see originality. I think looking around us in the entertainment industry, there isn't a, a lot of of originality, at least in the big coming from the big studios. Well, and now, you is... could debate, you know, Pixar's role and all that stuff, but. I think for the most part, there isn't as much original material as there used to be. And it's a bit sad because they get something that's successful and they're like, we're going to squeeze every last drop out of this. And so people, they remember the first one and how good it is. And so when a sequel comes out, they want to see it because they remember those characters. And so people go out in droves to see the sequel. And then the sequel doesn't end up being very good, but still ends up making a lot of money anyway. So then this cycle continues. It's like, oh. Well, I remember I liked the first one, so let's see the third one. Uh, the third one was okay. It wasn't anything like the first one. But enough people went and saw the third one because of their nostalgia for the ma- the original characters and the original storyline. They see it again. And this is how we end up with Ice Age 5. 
Yeah, this goes along with my personal philosophy on entertainment. If you are tired of seeing all these sequels, then stop paying money to see them. Um, yeah. I feel bad saying that on a on a podcast about animated films, but you know it goes with everything. If if you're tired of of uh, the third movie in a trilogy being split into two movies, then stop watching them in theaters. Stop paying money to see them. Let let the producers and the distributors know that you're not going to support that. Uh, you know, and. Um, I'll still go see Star Wars Episode Seven, but better. <laughs> um, I'm like so excited for this kinda, movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you see the X Men? Okay, never mind. I did. Um, they. Um, so that's just my personal philosophy on entertainment. I think, for the most part, we tend to roll our eyes and scoff at a plethora of sequels, which is bad because we should give them a chance. But at the same time, is it really worth our time and money? Because you know, history has proven that all these sequels can just be such low quality. You know, or they lose their magic. I mean, heck, um, what was it? Ice Age, uh, Ice Age Continental Drift had so many stars. It had it had Drake. It had um, Queen Latifah. It had um, it had Nicki Minaj. What? I wouldn't let her into an animation studio. But anyway, um, <laughs> sequels had just. It, it's called sequelitis, to quote Aaron uh, from from Game Grumps. <laughs> it's a sequelitis where where just sequels just tend to try to take what was magical about the original and they just end up screwing it up. I'll have to see the sequels now. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go watch them. Well, I mean, you did even give the Land Before Time sequels some justice by at least reading their synopses. So All I did was read the synopses, Morgan. <laughs> That's more than I've done. I did see the second one. And I, and I did see the second one. We didn't talk about this, but I liked the second one because, as people mentioned, Chomper. Chomper is its kind of like a situation like this. He's, he's an enemy, but he's a baby, so what do we do? And, I'm uh, assuming Chomper is some sort of carnivorous theropod. T-Rex, to <laughs> be T-Rex. T-Rex. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's just funny, the similarities between that. All right, all right. Fair I, enough. I just like that one, too. <laughs> Not enough to, like, keep going to see others, but... I did see the second. There is one part of Ice Age that I think is totally random. Like, they're just walking along, and all of a sudden, boom! Uh, lava everywhere! <laughs> Life or death situation, quick! Make a decision about what you've learned throughout the course of the film! You know? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of bothered me, because I didn't... Just lava appears, and I'm like, if lava had been I thought under they were trying to... No, 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 I'm just, I, from a practical level, I'm like, lava was not just hovering under the surface. All that ice would have been instantly gone. Um, or at least wouldn't have been as solid as it portrayed. I don't know. It just really, really bothered me. I'm like, no, no, no. Fire and ice do not like stay compatible for this long. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was yeah. watching it with the director commentary, and that was Good something choice. that they pointed out. <laughs> They're like, yeah. So I really like how the water just the ice melted really, really quickly until you have Diego hanging from a cliff that really shouldn't be holding the mammoth, but he's like, I just wanted to push the edge. <laughs> I just wanted to make this as impossible as it could be. And so that's what happened. <laughs> so they were even laughing. AKA, about we it. didn't really think it through. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, I thought that was like totally random, you know, but uh, you do get that, you do get the, that golden moment, you know, where Manny saves, a person that he believes is is going that that could very well be betraying them and um and diego's like you saved my life and he's like well that's what you do in a herd you know and then uh, sid's like i don't know about you but we are the weirdest herd i have ever seen <laughs> oh so <laughs> it's, one funny. Of my it's one of my favorite lines 
there are a lot of good. There's some good, pretty good quotes in this film. That was something they had a lot of great one-liners. A lot of even just like the situational comedy was just really well played. The timing was really good, especially with Scrat. You know, all these little things. Honestly, that's how I why I think that they s- scored so high is because the comedy was just really well developed and really well done. And even like set up like little like the dandelion joke at the very beginning it's like oh look it's the dandelion it's the last one of the season and then a dandelion it must be the last one of the season it just chumps on it Mm. right Mm. but then they bring it back like after this whole fight like he falls down into this other like part of the you know forbidden area i guess i don't know he just falls down he's like oh a dandelion and then the other guy falls down on top of it and it's just like goes again. I mean, I liked it. I like how they brought in all of these. Those are really great situational comedy moments, like really well done. And then we have uh, the big conflict in the end. So Diego is, uh, he meets up with his his Saber buddies. I'm going to call them Saber Force because that sounds like a, uh, that sounds like an 80s hair metal band. Saber Force. Saber Force is going to go out and trap the mammoth. Soto is like, ooh, I'm going to get the baby and a delicious mammoth steak. There's only one way to do it. Oh, there's the whole conflict where Diego's like, oh, I feel so guilty, I confess. And Manny has to choose whether to whether to trust Diego or not, you know? And that's always a big thing. Hey, hey, quintessential you lied to me moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. You lied? You know? Except Manny doesn't go that. He skips right to the, I'll kill you for that. <laughs> so yeah, half-peak showdown. You know what? This is a very clean film. Like, I don't think they try anything totally new. It just, it doesn't stick to a formula, but it sticks to, to things that work. You know, they all work together in the end as a, as a group, as a family, to defeat the um, Saber Force. And then Soto gets his due um, through a, an off-screen death, you know, the yeah. icicles. <sighs> Yes. Sharp. Very healed. Yeah. Death by skewering. Ooh. And then there's uh, uh, the, res- the rest of the Saber Force are like, ah, we'll catch you later. We're out of here. See ya. Yeah. Uh, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? But yeah. <laughs> you may leave. And then there's uh, there's the, the ending, and, and then the, the tension is still there because Manny doesn't know what to do when the Neanderthal guy turns around and sees him. And he's like, okay, how do I tell you I'm giving you your baby without looking like I'm going to kill you? So the tension is still there. I wish that the Neanderthal should have been like, well, uh, I'm going to stay with these animals instead of... <laughs> Can you imagine if the, the Neanderthal chose to go with, with the animals with his son instead of the Neanderthals? <laughs> he would have just been this like non-speaking <laughs> character throughout the sequels. He oh, would have been, been the spike. The spike. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we rate this? Let us Any? let us rate. Well, for me, you know, I'm going to I was trying to compare it to different movies that I've seen as we all kind of do, and I'm going to give it 3 stars. It was funny. It had what? a lot of Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But um it was I couldn't quite give it the three and a half star point. I may I may go for three point two five, but we'll just go with three. Um, basically, it was it was funny. It had a lot of that great moment. Uh, I I liked it. I mean, it was really good. It doesn't have the same replay value for me on like over and over and over, but it 
it was really good. I mean, it was kind of like I just saw Planes, Fire, and Rescue. And just like Planes, Fire, and Rescue, it was like, oh, there's a lot of really good stuff with that. But, eh, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I saw. I don't, <laughs> I'm like, okay, don't need it tomorrow. You know, I don't want to like rewatch it right away, but it was good. I am going to give it three and a half stars. Surprisingly, I give it a higher rating than Chelsea. Well, um, wait, now that I'm like thinking about it, I'm like, I gave Planes and I, you can't go back and change things. your rating. No, I am. I am. I'm okay. I'm gonna go okay. back to three point five, because it did know its audience, and that's something that I really respect. Is some is a movie that knows their audience, and they kind of stick to it, and they don't kind of they don't try to um, talk to all age groups, if you know. Uh, so I've three point five. I'll go with that. I'm going to also give it 3.5 stars. Um, I liked this movie, but I, I'm not a lover of this movie. I don't really need to see it again. And some part might be because the animation is a bit uh, outdated in a way. It really doesn't hold up too well, I'd say, like like Toy Story does. Um, but that being said, okay. the characters are pretty interesting, and the humor is is funny. And there are a lot of funny moments, and it really it's it gets to the point. It's pretty quick. Um, and it is unique in a way. Yes, there's migrations, and yes, it's sort of like this buddy comedy where we or this gang gets together and they have to get from point A to point B. But nonetheless, it's interesting. The voice cast it does a great job, and it has an interesting uh, plot device at the end or throughout with the child. And I thought that was kind of a unique thing that they did, which kind of made this movie so successful. So three point five. Well, I'm going to give it four stars. Partly because of the nostalgia factor. I, for one, find it very... Um, uh, I think it has a high replay value, obviously, since I've seen it like a bazillion times. I think the animation is cute. I think it worked for its time. Uh, I do believe that Blue Sky was one of the first to do like all ray tracing, which is a, a, a higher rendering and lighting uh, quality than, than just... Uh, you know, what, what Pixar and DreamWorks were doing. But don't quote me on that. That's just kind of a rumor. What I like the most about the film is the character development. And I, I, uh, I'm, I'm never one to really talk that much about character development. But they did a really good job with the characters in this film, especially Diego. Like, I love a story where a bad character becomes good. And yet I hate the concept of giving purely evil characters a tragic backstory where you blame their evil on someone else. But anyway... Besides all that, uh, I thought that Diego's story arc was solid, and it was like there, and so was Manny's. Uh, you know, Sid didn't change much, but you don't really expect him to. Um, I love the story of a group of people that like hate each other at first, but then they form an indestructible bond of uh, you know a family, the concept of a family. So yes, I think this is a family-friendly movie, and um, I love the characters and and uh, you know the story. Like I said, it's not totally unique, but it works. And I think the visuals are cute. Not to mention Scrat. He's just great. Four stars. Okay, now we're going to move into our voicemail and mailbag segment. And our first is a voicemail from Eddie. Hi, this is Eddie from Arizona. I just saw about you doing a podcast on this new movie, Ice Age. I hope you don't have any spoilers because I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. But really excited for your podcast. 
Thanks, guys. You're the best. Yeah, you know, Eddie, we debated for a while on uh, whether to spoil people on this um, this new animated movie from 2002, but we feel like it's it's best for the community. I mean, uh, I hate to break it to you, I'm you know, there's already been like test screenings and and stuff for it. And we've already people have already been to the premiere, so I mean, it, cat's pretty much out of the bag on Ice Age. So uh, we'll try not to spoil you too bad. Uh, but we do recommend you see it. Um, I think there's a early release uh, DVD or even Blu-ray out already. You can go check it out. <laughs> Definitely go check it out. <laughs> okay, our first email is from Joshua K. And Joshua K. has been sending in consistently reviews for every single movie that we're doing. And they're, and they're short and they're sweet and to the point and we love them. Well, I'm not. We like oh, the long. So sweet. We like the long ones too, but it's just really cool that Joshua has been consistently sending in his reviews, and so here it is. Hi, Rotoscopers. Now, the first thing I have a problem with Ice Age is I'm worried this will become a modern or CG land before time, where they just produce sequels every one or two years. But luckily, Blue Sky will not only do Ice Age movies. For example, in 2015, they're doing the Peanuts movie, which looks pretty good. I have seen certain parts of the first Ice Age movie, but from what I saw, it is pretty good. The animation was rough, but all animation studios start rough. Also, fun fact from the movie is that this story was pitched for Don Bluth, but turned it down. No wonder I think this is going to become a new Land Before Time. What do you think, Rotoscopers? Will this become a new Land Before Time? Joshua K. Oh, Josh, I don't know what to tell you, man. I think it might be going in that direction. I mean, uh, 20th Century Fox and, and Fox Animation, they are obviously milking a cow or milking the mammoth, as it were. It's weird imagery. But um, I, I do agree because I've already stopped watching the sequels. And I feel bad as an animation fan that I can't say that I've watched um, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, was it? And Continental Drift. And then was there another one? Have there been four or five? There have been four. There will be five. Ah. Well, um, I think it might be. I mean, surely they're not going to make how many of it how many land before time 12. sequels are there 12 13 <laughs> gosh um hopefully they'll have moved on but then but but i mean it's not like we're gonna see a epic two <laughs> yeah <that's> unfortunately <laughs> you know this is kind of like land before time except for theatrical which is really interesting but then you could also say that about shrek i mean shrek has what four and apparently no three don't forget scared shrekless the hall the uh, october holiday special yeah, see, I think that's the way modern uh, animated films get away with this, is they don't just call them, like, direct-to-video sequels. They do these, like, like uh, one-offs where they're holiday specials or whatnot, and then you kind of forget that, oh, they're not just doing sequel after sequel there. But they are. They're doing the exact same thing that they did 10 years ago with, <laughs> with Ice Age. All right, here's a, here's a mini review from Frank. He says, hey, Rotoscopers. So when it comes to Blue Sky Studios, they are my least favorite animation brand. Most of their movies fall, uh, fail to impress me uh, with the likes of Rio and Epic. That being said, I like the first Ice Age. I remember enjoying that movie as a kid and still do today. Uh, while the story is basically a hybrid of Shrek and Monsters Incorporated, I thought there was enough to make Ice Age stand on its own. I enjoy the dynamics of Manny, Sid, and Diego, seeing their friendship grow during their journey. Of the three, I would say Diego was my personal favorite. I like his sarcastic humor with Sid, and I felt he had a nicely developed character arc. I agree. However, my personal favorite character of the movie is Scrat. Despite not being part of the main story, I get so much joy from his subplot with his antics. It reminds me of a classic Looney Tunes cartoons with uh, Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. You know he will never get his nut, 
but you a spoiler alert, but you enjoy seeing how he fails anyway. I laugh so hard. Uh, I laugh so much from the ending where he gets frozen and he's waiting for the ice to melt to get his nut, but then it just washes away to the ocean. And seeing him go berserk was one of my favorite moments in the movie. As I'm typing this, a nice age five is being planned for a 2016 release. <laughs> Good year. I have not liked any of the sequels, and I do wish the franchise would just end already. Of course, it's a near billion dollar franchise for Fox, so it shouldn't surprise me they keep making more. That being said, I can always look back at the first one and enjoy watching that. Frank, I feel the exact same way about Star Wars. Case closed. <gasps> I like all Star Wars. Well, all right. Well, I, I, I feel that way about the original trilogy. Let's just say that. So I love, I, yeah, I get what you're saying about Scrat. I think Scrat, like, like by this time we've been talking about Scrat for a while on this episode. Yes, we have. I think he's kind of like the runaway mascot of the Ice Age series. Mm-hmm. Isn't part of Blue Sky's logo actually Scrat? It, it, I th- sorry. I think it was for a while, and then they developed a new logo in 2013 mm-hmm. um, when they did Epic, I yeah. think. Interesting. But yeah, Scrat, I think... It, it, Scrat could be like the Mickey Mouse of Blue Sky. Do you think they could do a Scrat spin-off movie, sort of like the Minions movie or the Penguins of Madagascar? I don't know. If they did just, did just like a, a six-hour miniseries of Scrat <laughs> trying to get that dang acorn and uh, causing all these natural disasters in the process, yeah, I would go for that. Oscar-worthy. Mm-hmm. Nice. But I do agree what you said about Diego. I think Di- while Diego's not my, my personal, he's not my tip-top favorite character, I think he has the best character arc i think he changes the most and and that makes it a more powerful story because of it thanks frank i've been listening to you guys for close to a year now but this is my first time writing in first off thanks for providing an entertaining and informative animation podcast the art of animation has been my lifelong passion for decades now and it's nice to have a show as good as this to listen to about it now for my question i just listened to the balto episode and heard you guys bring up some other podcasts you like like the one by clay Cadis. have you ever considered collaborating with other shows for the record my other favorite animation podcast is fan off's generation animation which if you aren't familiar with you should definitely check it out for a good time it would be amazing to have some people from both of those come together thanks for your time and never stop podcasting john with with other shows with other websites then you can totally support us by going through our amazon affiliate link rotoscopers.com amazon that is a great way to support the show while you're doing your shopping on amazon which practically sells everything not to mention all the movies that we're reviewing so yeah mm-hmm. just another plug for you always it's all rotoscopers.com slash amazon <laughs> Hi, my name is Matthew, and I'm an artist who hopefully will get into the animation business one day. I've been a fan of your YouTube channel since I found it about a year and a half ago when I was trying to find some news about Frozen. My favorite part of your channel is probably the art of book reviews. Being an artist, I actually find some of the content in the books useful. For example, the art of Rio kind of helped me out in a point when I was trying to learn how to draw birds, and especially wings. And I learned about that book through you guys, so thanks! Recently I started listening to your podcast, and I am hooked. Your reviews are entertaining, yet very insightful. Anyway, I wanted to ask if you knew about The Secret of Kells. In case you don't, The Secret of Kells is an animated movie by an Irish animation company, Cartoon Saloon, telling a fictionalized story about the Book of Kells, one of Ireland's national treasures. The movie probably has the best visuals I've seen besides Studio Ghibli's movies. Also, from what I hear, Bruno Coulet, who helped make the music for Coraline, helped compose the score. The story is a bit different than what maybe American viewers are used to, but it uses a few elements from Celtic folklore that some people might not know about, or the ending some people, including myself, might not understand 
the first time. It gets a bit dark towards the ending compared to what most people might see in America. But I think I like this movie so much because of all that stuff. It makes me think something new every time I watch it. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. In case anyone is interested, I do believe it's on Netflix. Matthew C. So Mason, do you use the animation art books in your own animation and art? Yeah, well, uh, let's see, last year, well, this year in my spring animation studio, uh, we did a project where uh, we basically developed the previs or the the uh, pre-visualization, you know, pre-production for an animated short uh, all the way. We, we did everything. We did character designs. We did environment designs. We did uh, color scripts. Uh, we did everything short of actually producing the animated short. And that was a cool experience. And uh, art of animation books were a big part of that because it has so much content from pre-production and previs. Um, that it is basically like, like they're basically like a how-to manual, and so we looked at them all the time. I, I brought my art of animation books that I've been uh, privileged to, to review on the YouTube uh, channel, and um, I remember our professor had a whole stack of art of animation books. Uh, we did there was Rango, there was uh, Madagascar Three, all, all kinds of good ones. Very cool. And yes, we need and want to do Secret of Kells. I actually had that on the docket for the end of the year. And then the uh, rat series came up and pushed oh, everything. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe we'll squeeze it in in between series. We'll do Secret of Kells because that one, it's an Irish studio cartoon saloon. Really exciting. Cool stuff. They're putting out a new movie uh, in the near future. So yeah, I definitely need want to give that studio some credit because it is more of an independent in a way because they're so much smaller. Um, and just we get a lot of emails asking about Secret of Kells. So we got to do it. That'll be good. We haven't done like an Irish-made animated film in forever. Unless you count Don Bluth's which one? Oh, yeah, that's true. Ireland. I was trying to be sarcastic, but yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> okay, our last one is from Miriam. Hello there, Rotoscopers team. I love your work so much, and I was browsing your website, and I thought of something that might be a nice topic for an article. Now, I know you focus mainly on American animation, but you also cover some foreign work. I myself come from Brazil, now living in Canada, and I know that Chelsea has lived there and speaks Portuguese really well, I might add. So I wanted to present to you what any Brazilian would consider the best Brazilian animated film to ever be produced, the 1983 A Princesa e o Robo, or The Princess and the Robot. You can check out the full movie on YouTube. Now, two words about the film. The first is actually a film from the popular Brazilian comic franchise, Turma da Monica. There are several other cartoons and animated features from this franchise. Some really good, others not so much. But this film from 1983 was the first full-length animated film. Not only from the franchise, but I believe the first Brazilian full-length animated film ever to be produced. The second thing is that, because of copyright issues with the soundtrack, this movie has never been released on DVD, so it is very rare. And all we can get are these poor quality YouTube videos that some good-hearted soul took the time to upload from his VHS copy. The reason why this movie is so great is not just because of it being a cornerstone in Brazilian animation. The animation itself may lack some quality, but I think when considering the resources and pioneer character of the project, it's actually quite good. What really makes this movie a gem is its story. A robot who is hit by a beam from the pulsing star in search of a heart, and the gang decides to help him in his outer space journey, where they'll face monsters, meteor showers, Star Wars-like laser fights, and the terrible, though not so terrible because he's really funny, Lord Kahelehau, a parody of Darth Vader, while trying to save the rabbit princess. Maybe it doesn't sound as nice as it does in my head, but it's really good. I swear it's not just my nostalgic inner child speaking. The story is epic, it's funny, has lots of adventure, and a fair share of romance and drama. And the soundtrack is also very beautiful. So there you go, this is my suggestion. I wonder if Chelsea'd be able to understand the movie, because I know the file is in very poor shape and the audio is not very clear. Maybe when I'm on vacation, I'll try to make a subtitled version. Congratulations again for your great work. Keep it up. Have a great day, Miriam. Miriam, uh, that the synopsis of that... Um 
Brazilian animated film is so fantastic. I'm having a hard time believing it's real. <laughs> um, so especially since it's this quote unquote rare DVD, poor quality YouTube videos. Hmm. I'm just, just kidding. It really sounds really funny. The princess and the robot. Nice. <laughs> yeah, maybe, who knows? Maybe we'll review that one one day. We got to have Chelsea get on this and see what she says about it. Yeah, we'll like strap her to a chair and force her to watch it and force her to translate it for us. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for writing in to our mailbag. That is it for today. If you want your thoughts read on the show, be sure to send us an email at contact at rotoscopers.com. for listening to this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. Remember when you are tweeting about this episode to use the hashtag AnimAddicts. And this episode, our special hashtag is going to be hashtag ItCounts because this movie does count as a dinosaur movie. There was a dinosaur there. It counts. Hashtag ItCounts. And guys, guys, can you believe that we have our Rotoscopers t-shirts? I got mine in the mail today and I love it. Like the color. Oh, you did? Awesome. Yeah, the color is so bright and teal. It's oh, it's beautiful. I love it. I'm so excited to wear it. I'm going to wear it to work tomorrow. So, get ready Instagram. Yes. I looked on Instagram and there are a couple people who are posting their roto shirts. And so hashtag roto shirt and if you want to see some of the other people who have purchased theirs and their wonderful um little gifts that come with it. Definitely head on over to rotoscopers.com slash store if you want to purchase yours. And it's only 20 bucks. And because you're listening to this podcast, we are going to give you $5 off if you use the promo code podcast. So really, guys, I love the shirts. And anyone who can who has bought the shirt, thank you so much. It means a lot to us. It's kind of a little fundraiser that we're doing to help the site because we want to redesign the site. Um, so the, the user experience on web, tablet, mobile is that much better. So that's why we're doing these shirts to, so you have something tangible, but also you can support the show so we can do that and bring you an even better experience. We're really excited about what we want to do for, you know, phase technically three of the site. If you were here in the very beginnings, you'll remember what our first site looked like and it was oh so special. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we really, that's the whole purpose of why we've been printing these shirts. So anyone who purchases the shirt, that's what it will go to and we appreciate it so much yeah a lot of people have asked like different ways how they'd be able to help support and this is the best way because yeah you get that tangible reminder to and strut your rotoscope of pride hashtag rotopride thanks again for listening for show notes visit us at rotoscopers.com hashtag 73 we're on our 73rd episode Check us out on Hypable and also Animated Views. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, and we're also available on Stitcher Radio. Um, also, uh, wherever there are comments and reviews to be made on those websites, please leave us a lovely review and a lovely rating. Uh, on iTunes, we've had some very gracious fans give us very high reviews, and, and that just gives us all the more incentive uh, to do our best and to put out quality podcasts for y'all. As always, you can email us at therotoscopers at gmail.com. If you enjoy our voicemails and you want to get in on the action, go to rotoscopers.com slash voicemail. You can also call 406-646-6575. 
This episode, as always, is brought to you by our amazing sponsors, Amazon.com and Audible.com. And our next episode, our 74th episode, uh, we will continue with our dinosaur slash prehistoric themed animated films. We're doing (laughs) We're Back. We're Back, folks. I saw that in the theater, and I think my mom found it so extreme that she walked us out of the theater. I don't think I've ever seen the, the, the ending of this movie. Well, you will now because you're all grown up and you can watch whatever you want. I know. It's not going to be like Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mom's not going to bail me out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So individual locations. If you want to connect with the hosts of the of the Animation Addicts podcast, check out Morgan Straddling at Morgan Straddling on Twitter. Chelsea at Chelsea Robson. And uh, ChelseaRobson.com is her Facebook. My Twitter is a little more complicated. At Mason SMTX. Just think San Marcos, Texas. Mason, SMTX. Uh, you can check out my blog, thisanimatedlife.blogspot.com. Also, most recently, masonsmithportfolio.com. That's right, folks. My professional student portfolio is uh, is online and live, and I'm just waiting for those job offers to roll in. Mm-hmm. Well, not waiting. Not waiting. I'm actually working really hard to, to schmooze a couple of recruiters and hopefully have something happen in the fall. But yeah, check it out. If you want to see... Well, you know that I am an animation student, and I hope to be an animator uh, someday. So, uh, check out my stuff, check out my demo reel, my resume, a little bit, a little more about me uh, professionally and, um, get to know me from that angle. And, uh, Hey, if you know anyone from animation studio, make sure to put it, put in a good word for me over there. Has Cusco come on the podcast? Cause it seems to be all about me. I know. Just kidding. <laughs> I should, I should, I should pause the, I should pause the show and be like, hi, hi there. Um, just, <laughs> just so you don't forget. This podcast is about me, not them, me. Okay. All right. We're going to keep rolling. (laughs) Again, we want to thank you all for listening. Until next time. We are the Roastovers. This episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsors, the Amazon affiliate link.com. Again, we want to thank our amazing fans for listening to our podcast. It brings such joy to us. Yeah, I get all sappy. We are the... <laughs> I wish I could get mom to do her Donald Duck voice on a voicemail. Nice. She, It's so good, it's creepy. No. My goal in life is to talk like Will Arnett perfectly. Michael. <laughs>